realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witness. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that he is the one who God anointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If, you, if you're a visitor here, you'll see that there's a couple of Americanized voices here. And, and so it's good to have you with us. We're grateful that you're here. We're not all Americans here. Most of us are Aussies now, so that's good. Uh, I, I will also say that when you said Alabama, uh, Andrea, it made me think of the group Alabama. And it made me begin to think of all the songs that maybe I could get up here and sing, an Alabama song. And then I thought, wait a minute, most of the songs that are coming to my head are not appropriate for me to sing from the pulpit. So, not that they're terrible bad, they're just like, you probably shouldn't sing them from the pulpit. Uh, anyway. It's good to be in this place in Acts, and hopefully you've been reading along and preparing yourself, so um, Acts 9, 10, and 11 were what you were supposed to read, and so in Acts chapter 9, which we're not actually talking about today, but just briefly, that's the conversion of Saul, that place where uh, Saul is in, in the way of persecuting these Jewish believers who are following after the Messiah, Christ. And so he is going and hunting them down, and God comes to him. Now, Paul, or Saul at that time, believes that he is persecuting uh, this group of people. Um, and when he is confronted by God, he says, why are you persecuting me? Which is good for us to know, <laughs> that we are those who are in Christ. We are Christ. <laughs> we are resting in that place. And so when the church was being persecuted, when this group of faithful followers were being persecuted, that is the persecution of God. And that's what Saul, who's also known as Paul, was dealing with there. 
Then we jump back to Peter. So he goes forth and, and he begins to do things. And there's a really great restoration of life that happens for Dorcas, who's this great woman of faith who cares and serves people. And then we jump into this place of Peter that we find in chapter let me ask you this. Did you grow up in a family that said you just need to try it before you can say you don't like it? Yeah. yeah, I grew up in that family. You just need to try it before you can say you don't like it. Now, honestly, I've tried most foods that were presented to me, and I know I use food a lot, um, which could tell you something about the weakness of my flesh in <laughs> illustrations. Uh, but it works in this particular passage really well. <laughs> I, I grew up with that. You have to try it first before you say you don't like it. And most of the things that I tried, I liked. Most of the things that I've eaten, I've enjoyed. I've actually liked them. There was, however, a time where we went to visit some people, and I, I had to check this to make sure I wasn't remembering it incorrectly. And we got there, and as we always were getting there, my mother, being a, a good person who didn't want to appear ungrateful in front of people, said, now when we get there, whatever they put in front of you, make sure you try it, and then try to eat it all. And so we sat down, and they brought out the food for us to eat. And I looked down at it, and it looked good. It looked like it was chicken, and it had like a, a, a real creamy broth on top of it and some mushrooms. And at eight years old, I knew I liked chicken. I knew I liked creamy broth. I knew I liked mushrooms. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then they said, tonight we'll be having dove. And I went up. What? Tonight we will be having pigeon and dove. And I was like, I've, ne I've never had that. And in the back of my mind, I'm hearing my mother say, now, try it before you say you don't like it. And try to eat it all. So I'm thinking, hopefully we get to serve ourselves so I can get the smallest bit. Or my mom will serve me, and she will recognize this is something that we've not eaten. And so we can, you know. And uh, uh, sadly, that wasn't the case. The matriarch of the family, the mother, she served us all. And so I got a big piece of dove on my plate. And I tasted the first bite. And it was like nothing I'd ever tasted before. And what I remember, you know, from when I was eight, and that's a long time ago, was I did not like it. It was one of the first times in my life that I had put something in my mouth that was food that I did not like. And I thought, how am I going to do this? Peter, what we see happening here, is he is waiting and praying, and he gets hungry. And as he's hungry, God sends down all of these uh, animals in a blanket. So it lowers down in front of him. It says that he's in a trance. And they're all the animals that are unclean and common. Now, what that means for him is they are animals he is not by God's law, supposed to eat. They are things that he's never supposed to put into his body. That they, according to the Jewish law, according to what God had given the Israelite nation as they were coming out of Egypt into freedom,
freedom, they were not supposed to participate in eating those things. And they would look across all the other parts of the world and say, if you are eating those things, you yourself then are unclean because of what you're putting in your body. And yet here is this blanket coming down that has all of these different animals that are unclean and uncommon. And God says to him, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter says to God, just as an aside, this means we can be pretty bold with God, just letting you know, says, no, I have never had any of those in my mouth. Now, Peter's mother would have been ashamed of him. You have to try it before you can say you don't like it. And God says, takes it up and brings it back down. And takes it up and brings it back down. And, and Peter doesn't actually know what this means. He's trying to figure out what this is all about. But at the same time, the day before, Cornelius, who is a man who fears God, so he has an understanding, he's a Roman, he's, he's a, a, a centurion, he's a, a high official in the Roman army, well-respected and well-known, is not worshiping the pantheon of gods, not to bring in some Greek word here, but pantheon of gods that the Romans worship, but he believed in one true God, and he prayed to that God, and he gave alms to the poor, and he brought his whole household along in that way, he had an angel come to him and say, I want you to go get Peter, who's saying, Simon, Peter, who's staying in Simon the Tanner's house. And being a man who believed that authority tells you to do something so you do it, he did it. And in doing it, then, he sends these men out. And these men show up right as Peter is coming down. And they say, um, Cornelius, who is well-respected among the Jews. Very important for him to say that so that Peter would know, oh, okay, maybe it's okay for me to go. Says he's asked you to come, and so he goes there. And that's where we see this passage. He shows up and they share their stories to each other. And it's then that Peter recognizes that God is opening up his kingdom. Let me rephrase. God had always had his kingdom open to everybody. But that he, as a Jew, had decided that the kingdom was only for him and his kind. Now, they kind of came through that logically. We've gotten all these other rules. Nobody has these rules. We've been called by God as his chosen people. All of those kinds of things. But, but they built it into their flesh, not relying on the spirit to guide them in that. Now, God had already been working on Peter a little bit. Remember, Peter was in the house of Simon the Tanner. A tanner is someone who takes the hide of dead animals and tans it, deals with it, and makes it useful for other purposes. A Jew is not supposed to touch dead animals either. So here's this Jew that's working as a tanner that would be unclean, yet Peter's already in his house. 
So Peter's already walking in this place of grace of recognizing maybe all the rules and regulations aren't supposed to be followed because they've maybe something's happened with them. And then he gets this vision and he goes to where Cornelius is. And that's where we get this place where Peter recognizes and he says this. These are great words, especially for us. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism or partiality, but he accepts from every nation. The Israelite nation was called to be a blessing to all nations, to bring them in to covenant relationship with God. And they had failed in doing that, yet through Christ, that operation continues to move. And so now Peter comes before Cornelius, who's this God-fearing man, and he says, yes, I see now that God wants everyone, all types of people, to be brought in. But recognize that at this moment, Peter is going against all sorts of stuff that he has lived with. All sorts of baggage and trueness that he has walked in. And God is calling him to get uncomfortable with the other. Now, it's easy to hang out with people who are like you until you realize that they're so much like you that the things that you don't like about yourself, they're showing forth. But we like to be with others that we get along with, that we have the same values and the same processes. It's good to be with those who look like us and smell like us and like the food that we like. And we build up systems and ways to operate our lives where we are with affinity groups, right? Groups that we get along. And we join those affinity groups and it makes us feel good about ourselves. And we never probably intentionally begin to think of those that are not in those affinity groups as the other. But our hearts do tend to place them in that category. Well, they're not like me. Well, they don't think like me. Well, they're just different, unique, special. And sometimes we go about trying to engage with them in a way that we want to help them be better, <laughs> be like us. And other times we decide it's better for us not to be involved. Because if we do, others might look at us and compare us to them. And say, oh look, Lee's becoming like the people he's hanging out with. And we're fearful of that what others might say when we walk with the others that they don't like. When we engage with people that are different than us, that are the others that have been classified in that way, we tend to operate in three different ways. We come to them and we see them and we first have fear. Fear of them and fear of what people might think about us if we happen to be seen with them. And so we tend not to then engage with them. The other thing that we tend to have then, after that, once we kind of get past our fear, is it can be fight. You're wrong and I'm right. 
And so we want to engage with the other to help them to see our way so that we can get them to move from being the other to being one of us. And usually that ends with conflict of some sort. But once we see that that doesn't happen, we move to the last place, which is away from disdain or fight, to apathy. Apathy is that place where we've just decided the other's not even worth thinking about. So much so that we don't, that they're there. And it might come across our vision at some point, but it doesn't affect me. It doesn't change the way I'm living. It doesn't move me in any sort of way in my heart to engage in any sort of way. I have apathy towards the other. They're just there. Peter probably was living in that way in a lot of those ways. He saw them as oppressors, most of them. I mean, this is a Roman soldier. Someone who could cause harm to his people. So he probably at one point wanted to fight. But now he's moved to the place of, I don't know. I mean, I've got this thing that God's given me, and I'm preaching to the Jews. And God says, kill and eat. Nothing is unclean. I've made a way for all. And so Peter shows up. And he preaches this great sermon that in the midst of that sermon, Holy Spirit comes, and all of a sudden the whole household of Cornelius is brought into the kingdom. So what are we called to do then? Well, we're called not to operate in the way of the world. We don't walk in that place where we either disdain or have apathy, right? Or avoid the other. We're called to engage, to walk with, and to call forth. Not saying, hey, do it the way that I'm doing it, or think exactly the way that I'm thinking, but saying there is deeper meaning, there is something that is bigger than me and you. That what I have built my identity on in this world, those things that I believe in, the relationships that I have, and the jobs that I keep, and the sports team I bear it for, that those things ultimately fade away in the reality of who I am in God, through Christ. And Cornelius was already walking in that way and only needed to hear the message. We're called to be those who recognize that we are going to have disagreements with people, but it should not call us to love them any less. That we are going to have opinions that differ from others, but it doesn't mean that we avoid engaging in those places. That we begin to recognize the injustice of systems that have been put into place to keep the other out. And we fight against those systems to say all can be brought in. There is nothing unclean. And so we work and we fight. And then we encounter someone who's other. And we go, but not them. <laughs> Everyone else, but, but not them. Could be your partner today. <laughs> it could be some group out there or some philosophy. And so it's hard for us to do that. And that's the reason why Peter preached the sermon he preached. 
to remind us that it's only possible for us to move from having a posture of otherness to a posture of welcome is in Christ. He says this, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That this place of moving to recognizing the glory and the beauty of God in everyone that we encounter is only able to happen because Christ, who is most beautiful, sacrificed that on the cross to give entrance for us to move in that way. You see, Jesus became the other. He became the one who was cast out, the one who was oppressed, the one who was marginalized, and the one who was hated. In order for those of us who deserve that position to move into the place of acceptance by God so that we then can accept those around us. Well, that sounds ideal and boundless and too good to be true. And it is. Because God calls those who he knows to himself. But I'd be remiss not to show this one little line that he also says. But God accepts from every nation who the ones who fear him and do what is right. There's a place where there still is the other. Not the other in the sense that we shouldn't engage. Not the other in the sense that we should continue to marginalize. Not the other in the way that we say no. But the other in the sense that they are not seeking after. They're not in a place where they fear God. And are walking in who Christ has made them to be. I prefer to think of them not as other, but as not yet. Not yet knowing who they are in God. Not yet recognizing what Christ has done for them. Not yet having the ability to see their truth identity, which is one who has been saved by Christ's work and brought into whole relationship with God and themselves and all others in the very place that they live. They are not yet, as I was not yet, as some of you were not yet. And it is by grace that we move into that place, that we move because we see here at the end that it is God who has appointed Jesus to judge, and it is God who receives those who, give, who are forgiven by him. That it's God's work. To bring us into his household. And so we trust that God is working in that way. So, if you are here and you think that you are other, hear this clearly. Christ became the other so that you no longer You are saved in him completely. 
And if you have believed that, hear this. You are now called to see Christ so that you do not treat anyone else as the other. We are called to love God and love those who he puts around us and those we have never met. And we do that through Christ alone. How awesome it is that this movement by God through Peter, through this great vision of, um, do you think that Peter got bacon right afterwards? That's what some people think. Because he wasn't able to have that before. I don't know, probably bacon wasn't the same then as it is now. By the way, bacon's different here than it is where my passport country is. That took some getting used to, by the way. I don't know. But what I know is that he knew Cornelius, who he never would have thought would have been in, was in. Was no longer other, but was his brother. And I pray that we can walk in that same posture. Because we are Cornelius. We are those who were other. And because of God's mercy and grace, we were brought in. So that means everyone in the encounter can do that. If they are God's. And he knows who they are. Let me pray. Have mercy on us where we see those who are different as other. And let us see them through your eyes, Jesus, that they are created and hold the dignity of the image bearer that they are, but also hope that they are not yet, but will soon become children to the Most High God. Jesus, if there's anything that is not from you, we ask that it be blown away, that it not take root in our hearts, but if there is something that is from you, it will take root in our hearts and bear good fruit. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.